0: Live and on lockdown. Are you ready? ready. Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed. Going beyond borders podcast. The host, Fraser Ramsey.
1: Hey, this is Afia Lethem, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed. Going beyond borders.
0: Hi, this is Zakia Ringgold from
1: Natural Soap by com. Proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast.
0: Hi, good day, wherever you are in the world. It's our edition of Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast uh, coming to you live via Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Um, and our guest, uh, and our guest linked via. Uh, I kind of well via the podcast guest groups on a uh, Facebook. Uh, this will also be on for audio purposes via the podcast. Um, so if you're watching, depending on where you're listening or watching around the world, this is another edition. We are interviewing my guest is Dwight L. Price. Uh, we're talking about basically how he's come from basically being on the streets to 17 years in prison to turning his life around and basically. Telling it using his experience and what he's le- learned from his bad days, and teaching youth how to avoid what he went through, and how he's an entrepreneur and what he's doing now. So we're going to gonna dissect the the kind of uh, the beginning because you don't get to where you are uh, in seventeen years in jail from for literally doing nothing. So uh, you start somewhere. There's a, a, always a story to how you get into your bad stuff in some way or form, but it's how you make the change and how you turn it around, and this is why we're here. So welcome, Dwight, to the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast, how are you doing?
1: Pretty good, how about yourself?
0: Yeah, good, it's uh, Friday, woohoo, but well, it's a Friday I'm doing this podcast, for so those who are listening. I should never use days, but, uh, but it's a Friday, because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one thing I tell myself, never if you keep it evergreen and not say a day or a date, it can <laughs> Kind of, it means it's generic. So if you are listening to this, it is a Friday, but it could be an hour day anyway. Um, but yes, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. So let's dive in. It's uh we've obviously been booking this in for a wee bit, we finally got here. Um, and it's the reason why we're doing it today is because it's your son's birthday and the next again day. And I hope they have a, um, that's something nice planned for right. him. Um, should he's excited, but let's dive in. So let's uh tell us really, let's just dissect your life. Dissect okay. exactly your kind of where you're born, brought up, the usual kind of scenario, and how your the 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 chap the chapter unfolded, and how you got lit, basically regarding the streets and everything, and how life was with your mother, etc., and your family bringing up mother or father. usual usual rigmarole. Go for it.
1: Fire away. All right. So um, I was born in a small neighborhood called Lincoln Heights. It's in the suburbs of, uh, people might know, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, My mother had me when she was about 18, 19. My father was a street guy, you know. um, He was a few years older than her. Um, Raised up in a pretty good household. Then my father, I think he started using drugs in the late 80s. Um, I was born in 77, so my father started using drugs in the late 80s. Um, Ultimately, my mom turned to alcohol to deal with the stress that he was, you know, uh, causing to her. And I was kind of, you know, raised up in the mix. My father taught me how to, you know, like hustle. He he was a hustler, so he taught me how to hustle. So I never had like any ambitions about, you know, being an athlete or thinking about, um, like, you know, say legal, um, legal jobs or going to college or anything. I was always a, you know, a shorter guy, so my father taught me how to hustle. So I grew up hustling. When I was in middle school, I was, you know, selling candy. Um, when I by the time I made it to high school. I started off selling marijuana, then that gradually turned into uh, selling crack cocaine. So after my 11th grade year, I ended up being out with some friends. And um, one of my friends, um, the the plan was to to commit a robbery. So one of my friends ended up killing somebody in the process of committing this robbery. Long story short, we ended up um, getting caught, ended up going to prison for 11 years. I went to prison for 11 years. Um, my co-defendant who actually pulled the trigger, I think he did a couple more. He might have did like 15. Well, so I...
0: Well, let's dissect that long story because uh, we don't want to go for the short version. We want to go for the long version here. So let's yeah. dissect this a bit more. So that's <laughs> a very, very fast abbreviation of it. So um, at what age were you... Uh, you uh, tell It talks about... Let's go through the ages. You, uh, different, obviously, schools in America are different to here. We start our school... You, you, well, say kindergarten, nursery, we go from pretty much two, three to, up to age four. I mean, you hit five, you go to primary one and between the ages of five and up to 11, you're at your primary school then from 11 till 18 your secondary school and after that, you either leave and you go to either college or university. Right. Uh, afterwards, that's your kind of, that's our sort of curriculum what kind of, uh, how, we, how it works over here. I know they've got a lot of different levels in in America, basically. So, what age were you selling candy and and what how did it develop when you you're hustling and then selling that next stage and how and what was the key thing that got you into selling like marijuana and then who was the bad influence in your who was the kind of people that were kind of having got you into this kind of selling i know it was your dad but kind of but but as you get to the further part you know i mean the hard stuff
1: well when you um the middle we got middle school so that would be like after elementary school say uh seventh seventh to eighth grade that's middle school so in middle school um, my mom had something called food stamps here so where she can use these uh look like similar to money but it was called food stamps so they would give um women who uh didn't have a you know income coming in they would give them food stamps to take care of their kids so i would go to the store with my mom i would purchase things like snacks like honey buns debbies or whatnot and I would take them to school and I would sell these to, you know, some of my classmates. So that's what I mean by hustling. My father was already, you know, he was away from the home, like in and out, um, going to prison or just running yeah. the streets. So I didn't have that father figure at that time in my life. Now, when you after you leave from middle school, when you start high school, it would be like in the ninth grade. So in the areas that I came up in, it was like the hood. That's the hood is considered to be, uh, you know, like a, a, a poor predominantly poor um, neighborhood. So growing up in the hood, you would see the people in our neighborhoods, they had the nice thing like cars and things like that. Uh, majority of them got it from selling drugs. So, you know, being with my father sometime, he showed me, you know, just a couple of the, you know, tricks of how you can, you know, get over on people, um, you know, finesse people, things like that. So I, um, I started, um, it was an adult, I can't remember exactly who it was, but an adult um, offered me you know, some weed to sell, So I took the weed to sale and I knew, like I say, my father came from the streets and I knew he was involved in the drug trade. So when I took the weed to sale, that's how I became really active. in, you know, when it comes to hustling, so I'm going to say it was probably about my ninth grade year of so high school. Kind of, of high what school.
0: Kind of, so what kind of money were you making when you're selling drugs? Cause obviously you can make some serious cash.
1: Yeah, you can. Um, So I was young when I started, I remember, My first time I purchased, uh, you know, you got something called an ounce of weed. It's just like an ounce of anything. So I had an ounce of weed, but I purchased a half an ounce for, I think I purchased it for like $65. And if I'm not mistaken, I made $60 off of it. So I actually lost $5. And that's when I realized the person who I purchased it from, they didn't even give me my equal amount of what I should have got. So unbeknownst to me, I was young in the game and it was just like, I'm like, okay, the person telling me I could buy something from him and I heard you're going to make money with it. But I didn't know what it was supposed to weigh or anything like that because I was just new. So that's one of them things where if you don't know what you're getting into in the beginning, you leave yourself um, open to where people can prey on you. So I wasn't even making the money that I should have made off of it in the beginning.
0: Interesting. So at, at what stage did you get this of doing the cocaine? Cause obviously marijuana was your first thing, but then you got to, how, how did you sort of, I mean, that doesn't happen. You don't just suddenly go out and start selling cocaine. What was your, uh, what, how did
1: you introduce you to cocaine? It probably was, um, I'm going to say maybe a year later, just being in a neighborhood, like, a, you know, if you, um, if you were in the hood, you're going to see the people who come through with the certain nice cars, the nice outfits, and, you know, you know where it come from. So uh, speaking to some of the elders, you know, the hood can be a gift and a curse. If you got I'm going to give you an example. Somebody's a basketball player named LeBron James over here. He's real big globally. So LeBron James, he came up in a, a hood, a bad area in Akron, Ohio. So the, the hood will protect somebody like LeBron James. They see LeBron. Oh, you're a basketball star. you good at basketball. You have a chance to make it out the hood because of your skill set. So if he was trying to come up there to sell drugs, the hood would get him away. Now you get out of here. If you need anything, the older guys in the hood will offer to to buy it for him because they knew he had a way to get out the hood because of his skill set. But then you got other people like me. The hood will offer you the drugs because they say this guy too little. He ain't going to make it nowhere. So let's give him an option where he can make money in the streets. You understand? So that's yeah. the difference between a kid who plays sports and I always tell parents to put your kids in sports, because when they leave out of class and they stay after school for another two hours, they're around coaches, people who really care about them, people who want to see them do well, as opposed to a kid who's leaving straight from high school. Now they're going back to the hood, a negative environment where you got a lot of people pulling at them. And now they got that idle time to where somebody can get a hold of them. If they don't know any better and put things in their face as drugs or something else like that. So that's what kind of happened to me. Going home from school, not going to basketball, practice, football, practice, coming straight home from school, got time to run the streets, start selling cocaine in like the 10th grade.
0: So uh, when did you, obviously, did you have a You obviously see these nice cars. When did you sort of you get, go for the, when was your first car purchase with the drug money? Did you find, buy a
1: car or did you just, what did you do with the money? I, I I mean, I was just taking care of myself, clothes, just clothes, just you re- really weren't making a lot of money because you didn't know what you was really doing. You was in the beginning stages of it. So that okay. was, uh, like I say, my my 10th grade year, my 11th grade year, um, same thing, just making a little money, just enough money to have clothes, didn't have a car, just enough money to really just buy clothes and, you know, spend on your girlfriend, go out with friends, things like that. It, it definitely wasn't. Um, it might have been some money to a, a teen, like somebody still in high school, but it wasn't. Any money by you know somebody who you know had a job at the time it was just you know pennies at the time.
0: Okay, so who came up with the idea regarding the obviously you're, you're your your senior friend well, regarding going to do this bank robber or this robber robbery and who came up with that idea and why did you sort of kind of get what made you sort of go into it or be involved?
1: It was just um, one, one, of the, one of the friends said, uh, man, I know where some guys be at who you know we can make some money off of them. So at the time, remember, I told you I was selling cocaine by the time. Now, I knew my friends that was with me. I said, well, I'm I'm selling cocaine. I'm already making a little money. So I said, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, if they go rob these guys, they're going to get the money and come back and spend it with me. So I didn't want to be a part of the robbery. You understand? I wasn't a part of the robbery. But I said, if I had the van, I had the van that we was driving, which was was a, a crack addict who let me use their vehicle because I gave them crack to have the vehicle. So I had the vehicle. I got my friends with me. And when they came with the idea, oh, yeah, you know, I know somewhere we can rob some guys or whatever. They got money. So I'm like, OK. I'm like, if they go rob them guys, the money that they bring, they gonna come and spend the money with me because they're going to buy some of this cocaine so they can sell the cocaine for me. So that's why I was that's how I ended up getting involved with this robbery, which ended up turning bad and it turns into a, a murder.
0: That's good. So when did you, Who? how did, well, when did you get caught? Or what was it? I mean, did, how did they find you? Because you weren't really tentatively involved when it, the guy was
1: murdered, but you were involved but how did they catch you? So you got people who given descriptions of the event that happened. You got the license plates of the the vehicle. So when, and, and, and when you think back, like I say, once we got arrested and we thought about what they told us, it's like it all came together and it made sense because, um, you know, the van had circled the block. I stayed around the corner waiting on them. They exited the van, they go around there. So when the crime got committed, you know, I guess they went back and interviewed. It was a lot of people um who was witnesses to, you know, who seen what occurred. So with the license place, they tracked back who the van was um 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 you know who the van was registered to, use that to find out who we were. So it was just a trickle-down effect that was easy to get to the bottom of it. So when you, you know, that young. Um, I was 17 at the time. Two of my co-defendants was 16. One of my other co-defendants was 18. So at the time, you know, you got detectives who've been doing this. They've been doing their job for longer than we've been alive. You know, this guy's been on the force for 30 years. So it was real easy. It wasn't like this where we was going, planning to do, but these were the events that had unfolded. So it was within, you know, a day or so. They know exactly who we were, just from Here. questioning the person who it was. Yeah, it's quite a quick process. Yeah, yeah, definitely was quick.
0: So, you went to jail. For, was it, You said it, so. You were. You said eleven years. The first thing, or did you get out, or did you go back to jail, or kind of how was that process?
1: Yeah. I, so I, I did. You know, eleven years. And um, when you're in prison, one thing about prison here, it's up to you to rehabilitate yourself. So you're around people that's um. You know, you can. You know, you talk to people about what they did, and you know, it's a lot of planning going on How you could have did something differently, and you know, why it didn't work out. So, you know, in prison, it was in there from 17 to 28. And I was around just, a, you know, a lot of people, like the type of people that really be in prison. Um, I got my GED. I did go to college. But by the time I got out of prison, that was eight years later thought I had got my um, I had an associate degree. So when I came back home, um, you know, went to the same area, the same area I got locked up from the same people and, and and the same vices that was there. So, you know, somebody offered me, hey, look, I got some of this. Cocaine, you can make some money off of. And I, I took the cocaine and I, I, I took it from there and start started hustling again. And what, so what
0: what happened? Did you get caught again? Go back to uh, seven, uh, jail? Because what's I, your jail I, story? I,
1: I got I got caught again. I think I was out for, let me see. I probably was out about four years or something like that. So when I was out them four years, now I was a little older. So I, I definitely started making money at that time. So by that oh, yeah. time... You know, as soon as I came home within, I'm going to say, two months after coming home, I bought, you know, a a truck, uh, bought a motorcycle. Um, I had already had my first son was born. He was born before I went to prison. So I got back with uh, his mother. Um, She had had a couple kids while I was in prison. So I came home taking care of the family. So now in the streets, uh, you know, older, knowing what's going on. Now was a different time. It was a Uh, money was being made at that time, you know. Money was being made at that time. A lot of money was being made at that time.
0: So when did you, because you were in total, you were so 17 years in jail in prison in total, yeah?
1: Yeah.
0: And so you're in our six years, basically. And what made you when you, let's describe, give us a day-to-day prison life insight. Obviously jail, I mean, jail to the UK is probably different to jail in America. But for give people a picture who might be listening to this, of what your jail is like in America and I know there's different types of jails in America. And I know from obviously, um, I mean, what goes on, uh, the, obviously you're saying you did study and the kind of people you connect with to try and rehabilitate yourself, but give us a bit of an insight to a day, a day to day basis. So what goes on
1: routine? So, so when I was younger, when I had got locked up, I, um, you know, i was in there just playing sports and just you know kicking and just growing up you know i wasn't really doing anything but like i said after i came home i ended up catching the conspiracy to trafficking um cocaine charge so when i went back to jail this time um i did a little over five years uh yeah it was love five years so um now i had a mindset of when i get released i have to change I, i'm gonna be a little older now and i got to come up with something so while i was in there this time every single day I worked on, um, it was going to be a non I worked on coming back. You know, I figured I could tell my uh, story to some kids and I could, you know, change my life. It was a guy that came into the prison one time. I took a program. I think the program was called Turo. So when I finished the program, the guy who started the program, he came in, um, in the auditorium in the prison to speak to everyone. So I remember sitting in the auditorium and this guy was telling us, he said, I'm an ex-offender. He said, I actually did 12 years in prison. I remember sitting there like, wow, he did 12 years in prison. So he said, I started this program when I came home. And they talked about how many people took the program, how it's helping people out. So I remember looking at this guy, right? At the time, I remember he had an a, a Apple watch on. And I'm like, this is something I had been reading about, the Apple watch. I remember just being mesmerized, like, oh, he got the watch. They say he could talk on a mesmerized by looking at the watch. So as I'm listening to his story, I really sat there and said, man, you know what, if this guy got out of prison, and became some successful. Why can't I? I said, I can do the same exact thing. I just kept telling myself I can do the same thing. So really he was my motivation. He was my motivation to when I left, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I said, I want to get back some kind of way. I want to get back to some kids, but I can become some successful. So the whole time I was locked up this time, um, I'm reading books. I'm learning about nonprofit. I'm um, sitting on the yard. The yard is like the area where you um, you can just like go talk to other people who are in prison and now I'm having a productive conversation I'm having a lot of dialogue about what do we need to do to change the youths in the community where we come from so this was my biggest my biggest thing what I focused on um for 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 pretty much that whole bit so my mindset was different because I was older.
0: Let's go. So when did when you got out of prison, you started developing obviously wanting to change, uh, like and speak to the youth. Uh, when did you? What was your first sort of starting point, basically?
1: Um, I, so I ended up coming home. My brother, um, he had already started like a cleaning service. So when I came home, I, I started working for my brother doing janitorial work. wasn't making no money, just enough to kind of help with the bills, not pay the bills, to help with the bills. So I tell my brother, I said, man. Every night we getting up at nighttime, going to clean four or five buildings while somebody is at home making money off us out here working. So I never felt comfortable with doing that. Right. So remember, when you come to really giving your story back, I came out, I put up a post on Facebook saying uh, a GoFundMe page telling people I want to help kids. I didn't get not one person like comment offer to donate some money. So I had to put that on hold because I came home and I got to get myself in a predicament, a position to where I could get my feet up under me so I will be able to get back to the kids when the time came right. So we started the janitorial service, working, 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 working. A woman put a post up on Facebook and she said, I'm looking for some cleaners to clean this apartment complex because we had had a, a, a cleaning franchise. So that was like a company. We bought a franchise through them. They would give you the jobs and they get a cut of your money because they found out of jobs for you. But yep. we did. You, you know, that's so that's the kind of business we was doing. So when a woman put the post up on Facebook, she said, I'm looking for some cleaners to clean these two apartment complexes. Everybody, you know, comment on the messages. So I told her, you know, you got people saying I charge one hundred twenty five for apartment. I charge one hundred fifty people going back and forth with this telling this. we put a comment and said, listen, we will come and clean an apartment for free to show you what we can do. So she said hold on you saying y'all the only ones who responded with something like that you would clean the apartment for free we said absolutely she said that's a win-win situation so we went up there we cleaned the apartment our father my brother and i we cleaned the apartment you know that's what we've been doing so we knew we was going to knock the ball out the park she came looked at it like wow this is really good she said do you all have a tax id number or um, um a tax id number or insurance we said no we don't she said get a tax id number and get some insurance, and you can start off cleaning these two apartment complexes. The apartment complexes was roughly, it might have been, I'm gonna say six hundred units, somewhere around there, maybe six to seven hundred units between the two of them. So she said, out of all the comments that we got, you guys were the only ones who offered to do it for free. And that's what made me look at y'all. So we did the we cleaned it for free, ended up getting a tax ID number, get some insurance, and we had our first contractor where there was no middleman. We sat down and we made a lot of money from this company cleaning apartments. So I'm going to let you ask the question, but the story really continues because you might have a question in between. Uh,
0: uh, I I know (laughs) because that's what I do. My main job is I clean. I run a cleaning business. I've been doing it for 13 years. Okay. okay. So I clean homes. I do homes, offices, if you actually – Look at my when you get when you finish this. If you look at my Facebook, well, I posted a before okay. and after video of a job that I just did this week, uh, and you'll see kind of things. So, I get I have cleaned some really dirty places to kind of relatively clean places, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm uh, I know I know I know what you're talking about when it comes to oh, <laughs> uh, the cleaning side of things, yes, the ins and outs um but yeah so well so this kind of me so you you got the you got your first contract boom and where did it go
1: from there so listen they had so many apartments right they had a little small staff that actually worked for the apartment complex so i remember they called us in the office they said can you guys do a trash out we said what's a trash out she said everything in the apartment just throw it away i'm like who can't do that so we started doing trash outs and this is all in a matter of, I'm going to say, maybe two a two-month period. So we started doing trash outs. Then she said, we got so many vacancies, our maintenance men are behind. Can you all um, flip an apartment? We're like, what's flipping an apartment? She was like, uh, paint, hang blinds, things like that. So we was like, well, we really probably can't do it by ourselves, but we can definitely go hire some people. So I told my brother, I said, listen, you know, it's a lot of guys that come out of prison and they have a skill set. It was a lot of guys I met all the years I was in prison and they had a skill set. Where they mess up is when they get back to when they get back home, a lot of people go back to the vice, whatever that vice was they sent them to prison, whether it's using drugs or selling drugs. So I said we can go down here to the halfway house. In prison, you only made $18 a month at the time. You hear me? You made $18 a month at the time. So I said, we can go down here and get guys who fresh out of prison, offer them ten dollars an hour, they're gonna love that. And at the time, $10 an hour, you know, that was a low wage over here, but I said $10 an hour, they going to love this because they home free, they working for $10 an hour, they